Hey everybody, welcome to episode 24 of Outspoken. I'm your host, Justin White, and my guest today is my new friend, Michelle. Um, We have lived in the same city for the last 25 years, and uh, she's been here uh, several years longer than that, but um, we just recently became friends, and we met in a roundabout way. I mean, it it was at a mutual friend's house, but um, I just wanted to... I just asked if I could talk to her dogs, meet her dogs, and she said yes, and we talked for a little bit, and then it came to be, we found out later that we had a whole bunch of friends in common, and, you know, we've been in the same places probably many times over the years, and uh, but now we're friends, so, um, and she has quite an interesting life, let me tell you something, um, we barely scratched the surface And uh, I still had to cut out a bunch of stuff, um, including like big chunks of the timeline of her life. Uh, There's just too much, too much good stuff. So uh, anyway, look forward to that in uh, a future outtakes episode. Uh, If you haven't listened to those yet, um, they're not excerpts from existing episodes. It's actually uh, unaired material. It's all, all unheard stuff. So, uh, yeah, that'll be sometime down the road. And uh, what else? Yeah, that's mostly all there was. Uh, Just got to get past this little waterfall here, and um, we'll talk to Michelle. Do you um, want to start with Elvis, or do you want to start with wherever you were? you want to start with anything in your childhood, or... Well, I grew, I mean, I grew up in Las Vegas. That's pretty weird. That is weird. Did you grow up right near the strip or out in the, in the sticks? Uh, when I was a baby, my dad, we, I was born in LA. My dad was working with the Rat Pack. Uh-huh. And so we were... W- working with them how? Just touring with them. Okay. And play, play, like playing they, music. Yeah, they did a circuit kind of like a, a Vegas, Reno, Tahoe, LA and palm springs nice and what did he play your dad trombone nice and he had been they had uh i don't know if they'd spotted him or he he'd like lobbied for it but he'd been playing in like rock bands in la when rock was really kind of young and very still pretty white Uh uh-huh anybody known well it's this kind of odd dude named freddie bell um he was this italian guy who changed his name to be more white and he He had a band called Freddie Bell and the Bellboys, nice. and he really liked um, Mama, Big Mama Thornton's uh, You Ain't Nothing But a Hound Dog, mm-hmm. so they used to do that, and they got that was like their popular song. So this is like it, late 50s you're yeah, talking about? Okay. Yeah. Well, I was born in the 60s, late, mm-hmm. late 60s, so, um, so yeah, he'd been doing that, and uh, I think Elvis had seen it and decided to cover it had seen Freddie Bell do it. Wow. I don't think it was a hit. Maybe it was played on the radio, but... It wasn't big yet. No. And so um, Freddie Bell decided to... Well, no. Elvis decided to, sorry, cover the Freddie Bell cover. (laughs) And that... Without knowing that it was Big Mama Thornton's? They probably knew. Okay. Yeah. Because she's got the best version, so... Uh, Okay. So they, I think... um, Yeah, so Elvis did it. And then I think my dad, because of Freddie Bell and his popularity... I mean, he played with like Prez Prado and a bunch of other guys in LA for quite a while. 
Mm-hmm. Um, some really corny band called Donnie Brooks and the Shamrocks. I think I got that right. Nice. Oh, they're terrible. Are there? Do you have <laughs> records or do you have? Like, he did. He did. Yeah, and they were Can always you picture the covers and stuff. Yeah. You have all that stuff. Yeah, around? and it was. I think that one. Sorry, Dad. I'm not, I don't think you'll hear this, but um, it was kind of very pat, well. Pat Boone. Uh huh. Um, maybe wider. <laughs> really, even wider than Pat yeah. Boone. That's so. extreme. That's extreme whiteness. <laughs> Did he have like a turtleneck on top of a turtleneck? <laughs> well, they would play these, um, you know, diverse shows. Like they, some of the footage that I, that I watched with him, it's a weird. It was he had a weird trajectory because he was coming up when the crossover was happening in rock and roll, and mm-hmm. so and uh, being in a horn section was still a thing, yeah. and they were popular. Like, you, and it didn't of, matter what color you were, if yeah, you, if you were good enough, right? yeah. And so he he played with in a lot of different mixed groups, but then he ended up in, the, in a couple with. Well, one was the Freddie Bell, which was all Italian guys, and then the other one was the Donnie Brooks thing. And Donnie Brooks, there's some video, and I can't remember the song. I think he had some really super corny hits but he um is playing and they're all dressed in like similar kind of suits uh-huh. and they and they're they green i can't, you can't tell because okay. it's black oh, and it's white black footage and white, right. but the audience is mixed it's white and black oh, cool. and I, I mean you know at the time i think that's you didn't we didn't have a lot of other kind of immigrants yet right um at least in la and so i mean there were some but maybe not interested in rock so right <laughs> so just one italian yeah <laughs> so the footage is like you know these people like young people trying to like groove in the audience and then this really corny band and they're all dressed like and trying to do this syncopated dance but anyway so so he got kind of known for that and then ended up with i think the rat pack and that was he really enjoyed that he had um a lot of offers to join them everywhere and so i remember going i think i think they, they had my brother and then I was conceived in Carson City on mm. that same, when he was working on that same okay. circuit. On the tour. Wow. And then, uh, anyway, so I'm trying to remember. He has stories about like Marilyn Monroe when she was dating Frank Sinatra getting hauled out of the audience for being drunk and really? belligerent. <laughs> At one of their shows. Yep. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. So they became, um, they all got, I think, by the 60s, they were all starting to get showrooms in Vegas. Mm. Um, because You it was, mean each one of the, yeah. the, the Rat Pack? Yeah, yeah like, right. I'm trying to think. He also played with, like, Tony Bennett and stuff back right. then. But, 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 like, Dean Martin Dean definitely Martin, had his own thing, and Sammy Davis yeah. Jr. probably yeah, had they his all own got, And I don't know if they all got... Like, I know Frank Sinatra was at, was at Caesars. Somebody was at the Sands, maybe... Um, what's his name? Mr. Bojangles guy. Oh, right. Sammy, uh, Sammy yeah. And um, anyway, they all got these showrooms. And so then we ended up staying in Vegas a lot right okay. by the strip. Okay. So. Staying like, so like he would be on tour for months at a time or something. Yeah. And, and we go, would try to go. And you would rent a house or just a room in a hotel? or how Usually would you... like a one bedroom apartment. Yeah. Like a dingbat. There's a lot of dingbats. <laughs> Wait, is that the name of a? It's like a style a of apartment in of... LA that's like a box. Okay, you it's probably, just called a dingbat. If you've been to LA, you've seen them. Yeah, they're I'm very sure 50s, mid-century. Okay. Yeah. I guess I didn't know that. Yeah. Term. That's what they call them. And that's cool. They're all there are tons of them near the strip, mm-hmm. and so we would just stay in those because you could do a month or whatever right. at a time. Wow. Yeah. So most of your childhood then was spent. No, in- actually, just a few years, and then Elvis got a showroom at the International, 
Okay. And so he was going to be there most of the year and not tour. Right. I think he was getting older. It was like after that TV special. Okay. Where he was wearing the like leather <laughs> suit. Thing. Yep. Yep. <laughs> he was that he could barely squeeze into. Yeah. yeah. So his comeback. And then, yeah. And then, so we got the showroom and then my dad got hired and my dad really wanted it because he wanted to stop touring. Yeah. So he did that for quite a while. For a long time, huh? Years? Yeah. Wow. I think he got the showroom in 69 and then he passed away in 75. Oh, wow. And your dad played with him that whole time? Yeah. Wow. And was he close with him? I, I yeah. imagine he must have gotten to know him pretty well. I mean, he was always, like, there's video that he, where he's still, like, sitting right behind him. Mm-hmm. And if my dad would mess up, he'd look at him and, you know. Really? Him. Chastise him? That's pretty <laughs> funny. Goofing around. You have video? Are you, you stoned? Have, really? Would he give him, give him a hard time about that? Definitely. That's funny. But wasn't he stoned on, or on something? He didn't. I don't know. Pills? If he, I, very high, but. But he was allowed to be. Only God knows what he was on. Yeah, yeah. God and he his probably doctor. didn't even know. No. Yeah. Doctor Feelgood and God mm-hmm. and the Lord above, <laughs> the Lord of drugs. Yeah, and we got to see him because they had this uh, balcony where, if it wasn't sold out my grandfather was working at the same hotel it was the, it was the international became the hilton okay and he was the chief of security so he would just escort us up there your and grandfather was yeah oh cool that's <laughs> he kind was, of amazing he, he was kind of a grifter like an italian-american dude really with like would he scam wannabe was... mafia but not really okay but he um he, he had to... that sort of attitude <laughs> well he he used to do things <clears throat> like they would um Buy a bunch of cheap blue polyester scarves like Elvis would wear uh-huh. and sign them and oh, sell as, them to the women. That's amazing. <laughs> they were waiting. Your grandfather did that <laughs> at the shows. That's amazing. And he was head of security. Yeah. I love that. That's pretty great. So he he let you in. So to he see would the show, yeah we like would the, just show up the if there were, and he could take us up there. It wasn't like he was that wasn't um, inappropriate or anything. So you saw him multiple times or, you, or yeah and everybody else because it was wow. if 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 Elvis would take a month off to go back to Graceland or whatever they would have other acts. Somebody would fill in. Yeah. Do well, re- they, yeah. Do you remember some good ones? That... Yeah, Tom Jones. Oh wow, that's probably the best one. Really? Yeah. Of all the, of all everybody. Yeah. His performance or just... yeah everything. That's cool. He and was... how old were you that when you saw uh, Tom? Probably Jones? like first grade. Really? Yeah. That early. And how old were you when you saw Elvis? Uh, I'm, I want to say like maybe one year. My I want to say like the first time I remember him, I was probably four. You remember seeing him? Yeah. That's and awesome. I remember there was a Christmas party and kind of like a work party. And Colonel Parker gave all the guys who had kids these giant stuffed hound dogs. That's so cool. <laughs> I had two brothers. And in the Christmas morning, you know, like my dad, my dad put it out like it was a gift. From him? He pretended? No, or, we, we knew it was it was a, a present from his boss. But Okay. Um, Did you know who his boss was? Yeah. Okay. I think my brother was just a baby. It must have been my older brother, but we had like a, fi- a pillow fight with it and uh-huh. it was really cheap it and it had all the polyester filling. Oh, it was great. like all over the living room. Nice. My dad was like, really? Thanks a lot, Elvis. Couldn't, couldn't spring for <laughs> yeah. the good stuff. Colonel Parker was cheap. Yeah. Elvis would have gotten us a nice one. Oh, that was, cr- okay, sorry. Yeah. Colonel Parker. That was Colonel Parker. Because he was the manager. He was the one that like. Took care of business. Yeah. Okay. TCB. Yeah. And then who else do you remember seeing as a kid who was, who was like really stood out i really liked liberace 
Oh, wow. Um, he was a character. He would, he, he, he was always being driven around town in his, um, station wagon uh-huh. that was painted like a piano and he would sit in the back and his boyfriend would drive. Oh my God. And he would just <laughs> and he'd make him wear like a little and... cap and really? jacket. Like yeah. his, his boyfriend. Yeah. He made him dress I think up by as then it was, and by the time, well, I think they met in the seventies. I could be wrong, but that's who I remember. He always had a protege. And he, his protege would drive him out on stage in like a Bentley or a Rolls or something. Onto the stage. That's <laughs> and so then he would awesome. get out in his cape and right. like twirl. That's amazing. And yeah, it was really glitzy. So as a kid, that would be pretty fantastic to see. We were, to see we were just like, what the hell? Yeah. And then sometimes he would put, like get on a harness and fly. Really? On the stage, yeah. It's like half circus act. <laughs> yeah, and he had dancing waters. Dancing waters? Like, like these lit up fountains that they oh, would right. have like spray the water up in the and light it direction. up different colors yeah. okay and which you know, they do direction to out the on the strip too right yeah Just now they have that the big thing. caesars or yep. whatever wow so um that's cool yeah he, any any rock did any rock bands come through or is it mostly like yeah the crooners and pop pop type people well my dad had a band of like a i don't know what to call it like a psych band but they had horns, and then there were a bunch of jazz guys, really. So they were called Lodestone, and they played a oh, place I've called. Heard of them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've seen they have an album. Yeah, right? they do. I've yeah. seen there. I've seen. Yeah, that. for like a dollar. <laughs> yeah, I've seen it in the dollar bin yeah. somewhere. Yeah, and that's, cool. that's an interesting story too because they they played this club called the the Pussycat. Uh huh. A go go. Oh yeah. I was just want to shorten it to Pussycat. Or... Yeah. Well, there was one in L.A. and then there was one in Vegas, and the one in Vegas was, um was kind of like a big dance club okay and they had i don't know cage girls okay so kind of like quasi strippers they weren't stripping they were right. just topless and with pasties and and so they be were the house band for a while okay. which meant that they would do their showroom gigs and get off at two and then go play there until like i don't know nine or ten in the morning amazing that's so nuts. Was... on a regular basis too. Right? yeah i mean his schedule was the opposite of everybody yeah in the real world so and then I imagine there were lots of drugs floating around. Is oh, that, tons, yeah. Yeah. And was it, was it pretty openly, was your house? Uh, lots of weed, which, yeah. you know, is still, uh, it's just always been like normal. And that was never a, a big deal? Nah. Yeah. No. I mean, it was only a big deal when we, <laughs> he was growing it in the backyard and we turned like 13, 14 oh, and shit. we started smoking knew. it. Oh, really? <laughs> That's it was a big deal for him. And then him. he was mad. Yeah, stop taking my stash. <laughs> like this shit's weak, Dad. That's hilarious. <laughs> you knew you like had a better source, but his was free. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. Thanks for always growing this. I had a friend like that. His, his dad, you know, was was her unwitting supplier right, for yeah. basically her entire teenage, you know, yeah, years. He had the, he had a big shoebox of it and. He kept it in his, he, he had his own bathroom, I think because he wanted to keep his stuff in there and not have us get into it. But right. of course, we, every we chance exactly we got, it was. Yeah. <laughs> picked the lock or whatever. Uh-huh. Did you <laughs> that start? That pissed him off. <laughs> yeah, I bet. No, that's actually breaking and entering. That's, that goes beyond just like borrowing or, you know. <laughs> Stealing your dad's yeah. weed. It was locked. Picking the lock. It was locked. In a you... locked box. Actually, no, just a shoebox. Yeah. But. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> so do you think you started earlier because you were aware of it earlier or do you in some ways it was just i mean vegas was like 
Hmm. I'm not, I don't know what to compare it to. I hear about other people's upbringings and it was nothing like mine. So, uh-huh. you know, no, no one's has ever sounded like yours. <laughs> maybe like in a book or maybe really? or something, but do you have other friends in Vegas who have the same experience? Yeah. Yeah. Like you either get it because yeah. you're from here yeah. or you don't. Yeah. And hmm. which made for a really interesting punk rock scene when I was Oh wow! By about fifteen or sixteen. Well, I never think about a punk scene in Vegas. It was he. It, well, no, it was tiny, but it was it was uh, intense. Or... Well, we ended up. It was huge on the tour circuit because we were uh, like five hours from LA, and right. so all the SST kind of go, bands and you're not that far from the East Coast stuff. I mean, yeah, closer. What What was cool about that? And we were all musician kids. Like everybody's parents were either like musicians or dealers or <laughs> servers bars you know that sort of thing um not a Croupiers. lot of insurance salesman dads or no i don't think i knew bankers. anybody whose dad had a normal job wow and moms too like one of our best friends a neighbor uh his mom was a showgirl mm. and she got divorced and so he had to stay at our house and she would come pick him up like at two in the morning in her show After girl work? <laughs> oh my god huge headpiece on and stuff that's amazing <laughs> so that is a bizarre yeah. community, like, if you can call it that. And that was just, yeah, it was just the job they part did. Of it. Yeah. My Aunt Jean had like, she was one of the cage girls at the Pussycat. So she, she had, she had always had, she was just um, a free spirit mm-hmm. <laughs> from the beginning. That's awesome. But what was your question? I missed it. Oh. You were asking me about um, my friends. Oh, or punk scene. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I ended up playing. Um, drums that were just too like a similar thing to what I play now in Virginia Dare, which is like a snare and a tom. Okay. In a band called Aguafritas. Okay. We thought we were hilarious with that. Hot water. Fire water. What is like fried taste? water? Fried water. Stupid. Okay. Yeah. But basically, it's just like hot water, and yeah. and I was probably fifteen, and so then. I think we opened for Black Flag and then they, really? yeah. Oh, and shit. then they just, they sort of discovered us because I was the only girl playing in any bands. And so then we got asked to open for all the other SST bands. Wow. Yeah. Which was really fun. And like the Minutemen and yeah. they were great. And then, um, you played with that. Like, yeah. Uh, like once. Yeah. We just opened for them, but that was when Where they was weren't show? very well known. We just had warehouses in the oh. industrial part of town behind the strip. But always when people came through Vegas. Yeah. No, okay. And they always wanted to play there. Like yeah. everybody wanted to play there. So it'd be, it was known yeah. as a scene yeah. in, in other scenes. Yeah. That's and it cool. was kind of like people would do the, they'd go from LA to Vegas to Phoenix because Phoenix had a really good scene too really? because of the meat puppets. Oh, right. Yeah. I don't know my punk history and I don't know all the, all the connections, but I like a lot of those. I mean, I love Minutemen and the Meat Puppets. Yeah. I don't like a lot of just straight punk. But, yeah. But those, I wasn't both really... those bands are so inventive and just totally original. So. There were a few. There were, there was also like, there was another band that we opened for called the Big Boys from Texas. Oh. And they were like doing the funk thing bef- way before the Chili Peppers and so uh-huh. much better. And Really? And then there was the Dicks with Gary right. Floyd and Lynn. And they, wow. They ended up living up here. So so you were playing in that scene as a, how how old were you at that point? I think 15. You were playing drums in the in the, in yeah. the punk band in Agrofritas. Yeah. That's pretty cool. It was. It was fun. I, I'm lucky. I think if that hadn't happened, I might have ended up like mm, not meeting all these great artists and creative people who 
um, encouraged and motivated me to keep going because they, they, I didn't, I didn't end up experiencing a lot of sexism from people that would travel through. That's good. Only in really in our town. Cause it was, it's kind of backwards in a yeah. way. Well, um, and that's just, it's always like that in sort of tight circle, yeah. you know, when it gets incestuous and then people start getting weird with yeah. each other. Yeah. Competitive. Yeah. And then and they pick on you with, with stuff that means nothing. Right. You know, they just Whatever use, it is. Yeah. Anything. Yeah. Like we had a one black guy and then me. <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> we were well, you guys the weird, were like, the oddballs, What are you huh? doing here? Huh? Right. It's supposed to be dudes. Right. And we were like, we are dudes. <laughs> we're, du- we're dudes enough. <laughs> yeah. And so, anyway, so yeah. So that was actually probably the best part. I'm still friends with a lot of those folks. Yeah. Yeah. That's nice. Yeah, it is. We're, we were really close. Too many of them have passed away yep. because of the drugs. But yep. that's a it's a hard, hard life to live for much for very long. Yeah. Um, wow. And, and then okay. Well, just they grew up in it, and you know that culture, and yeah, lots of drugs and drinking and gambling. And how did you feel about gambling growing up there? It just looked like a waste. Um, yeah. My. My grandmother's, or I, I was fortunate as well to have my dad's family who were uh, Italian American, and they kind of moved around the country together. They came over at various times around World War One and World War Two. Okay. But then they met. I think everybody sort of met in this little town in Pennsylvania called Johnstown, mm. and which was like a really working class town that you, you could buy a house and just work at a steel mill or a slaughterhouse right. or something, and. One of my one of my great grandfathers was like a stonemason. Oh, cool. Yeah, but they so what what they ended up doing was all moving to LA together. Like my grandparents' families all moved together, uh-huh. and then all this extended family, like whoever married who, all they just all they go just together. All went. And then they all ended up in Vegas, and so by the time I they, was, they were headed to LA, but they stopped in Vegas. Well, my dad you... ended up in Vegas. My mom, wanted, my grand, not my mom. My mom had to go because she was with yeah. my dad, but and us, but my grandmother. His mom <clears throat> said, I'm going, you know, you can either come with me or not to my grandfather. Okay. That was the guy that was the grifter one. Yeah. And so they, they all went together and ended up, they, uh, sort of tried to live in proximity mm-hmm. to be like they had been when they first moved here. I think yeah. maybe it was like an immigrant thing, just safety I think in your little mo- pack. Yeah. And I think most of those cultures foster that mm-hmm. anyway. I mean, that's just kind of what yeah, they come definitely. from. Like, let's all live close to each yeah. other, you know, multiple generations in the same house if possible. Exactly. Yeah. And so they they uh, kept their, and you know, you kind of keep your culture too if you do that. Like yeah, they didn't if let, you can find your little pocket. Yeah. You know. They didn't let the kids speak Italian, but they would, um, you know, like always cook the uh, traditional, traditional stuff. Foods? Yeah. That's and, cool. and what part of LA did they move to? Uh, let's see. I think the San Fernando Valley mostly because okay. you could have... They always, everybody always had gardens. Oh, just kitchen gardens. That's why they moved there. Probably so you could plant stuff. Stuff grows really well, and that, that's cool because it's like a valley. Yeah, it's an interesting reason to. I mean, you, would, you think about that in other places, but right. when you think of L.A., yeah, no, but I think at the time it was occur. still kind of rural. Yeah, I guess so. I guess it would. They be... had a lot of fields and orchards and okay. sheep. I mean, there was like livestock. <laughs> that's pretty cool. Now you go there and it's like just There's one uh, chicken. Yeah. And he's drunk. And he's <laughs> Liquor not, stores and, and he's unhappy. Taco Bell's. Oh, she. Mall. <laughs> yeah. Lots of, yeah. Taco Bell KFC combos. <laughs> exactly. Ho- yeah. 
Yep. Maybe I can't pizza wait till they start tripling them up. <laughs> have they done that yet? Is there I, think a they, I think they do have yeah. a Pizza Hut KFC Taco Bell. That's amazing. dad was the mixed race guy and he was a native american his his grandma was in the trail of tears so he he was yeah yeah so the 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 removal started they were in i think they were in north carolina or something and then they got moved to oklahoma and so he ended up being uh poor dirt poor and in the depression he was probably like 12 like Uh a lot of people he had to ride freight trains and Uh to go and find ways to make money for um his mom when he was 12 yeah his dad was a drunk so holy crap so he ended up in yeah yeah like total dust bowl kid amazing cute little pictures and you know those caps yeah you have (laughs) totally grapes wrath you have those pictures yeah that's awesome and his um his uh skin color is not you know what we uh what we end up looking like like later generations and uh-huh. my mom was he so would he have really stood out at yeah. the time yeah yeah he did so he was he was part cherokee and part part african-american, African-American. Okay. yeah so he um and then french too i think his his greater ancestors were like slavers or something but mm. we didn't come from like the fancy side okay the slave side. okay so that's how we end up poor uh-huh. not to mention i think the african-americans and the natives were were already um Especially in North Carolina, as far as I know, there were already like slaves were running away, and the Cherokee were. I think a, one of one of the things that that he told me, and I never found out directly if it was true, but he said that the, the Cherokee were not superposed to other groups coming in, mm. and so they would intermarry. Okay, and some he said some tribes. His grandma told him that some tribes were not open to that but his tribe was so Mm. he said you know there's you know there's a lot of there's a lot of different wood in the wood pile or something Uh so he he had these weird sayings that's a good one 
Yeah, but he, so he, he ended up in San Diego. I think he was 12 or 13 and he's picking fruit in orchards as an illegal. He rode a train out there. Yeah. Very scary. Insane. Yeah. It's just got to be insane. As a a kid, as a 12 year old. Yeah. And so he's out there, you know, picking fruit like, like immigrants do now. And I don't think he had papers. He had to have papers and he was too young and not. Yeah, he didn't have any yeah. ID of any kind. So he was one of like he said I was an illegal, you know. And he had wow. an accent because yeah, he's from the kind of like the Midwestern. Isn't that uh, crazy? Oklahoma, Texas area, yeah. But also had native roots, yeah, like, <laughs> which almost no one else could claim. He's a, he's a really interesting guy, uh, and but he had to leave school, and so he, he did not have um, any much formal training. He knew how to read and write and basic math. But then he ended up when he, I think he, after that picking fruit thing, got a job as a radio dispatcher in Tucson at a cab company. Mm-hmm. He said that was pretty wild. Yeah, it was like that's a good. lot of, um, uh, a lot of lesbians driving cabs. Really? In Tucson? In Tucson? <laughs> that's what he said? Or 40s or something? Really? It must have been 30s. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah, and he was a teenager, so he's always what getting a weird, like... Somebody I should know, make a just, movie he, he about the, that or write a book. Like, what a weird He had the weirdest news. stories, and I'd always just be like, really? You know? That's like, so funny. Really? So he, so he ends up learning how to fix radios because everything's always breaking. Okay. And then signs up for the Merchant Marine in World War II... And becomes a radio man. Wow. Yeah, and does all that, you know, gets bombed in the Bay of Bengal or whatever. Holy crap. Goes through all that stuff. Amazing. Yeah, I know. And then I think before that, I think he'd been in the, what was that? The the Corps that did all the, what are they calling that? It was like the Conservation Corps. Oh. Or the, what was that project in the 30s? I think he did that for a while too in Death Valley, like the, uh, WPA, only they had a conservation wing. I think it was just called Conservation Corps. But okay. it was that same like federal program, like socialist program. Okay. So he did that and then he signed up for the machine. So he was like had he was all over the Southwest. And then he goes and he and he ends up being like this really ace um radio guy for these ships and uh-huh. submarines and and when he comes back he knows how to fix everything, so he sets up a shop. Uh, TVs and, and, the, and but then it's like no radios first because it's the 40s and then starts having kids with my grandmother there in LA moved to LA and then he um, by the time we were born he had a re- repair shop with TVs and radios okay and so he would just have us fix stuff for him really yeah he would tell you how he'd show you how to do it not then, necessarily oh. we knew how to solder <laughs> Really? But he would just say, like, put this Here's here. Here's a like, transistor, fix it. Whoa. And so my little brother ended up being really gifted. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, and he taught himself. He he only went to, like, a vocational high school. That's... But he was born with this weird gift, and my grandfather was, like, I think part of that. And he fostered it, for yeah. sure. And then you... He's a drummer, too, so. Oh, nice. Yeah. And you play other instruments besides drums? Yeah. Besides? What, what else? Do you Guitar do? and bass. Cool. Just whatever you can learn as a rock person. Uh-huh. I, I like to play keyboards, but I don't know how. Mm. I, I resisted piano lessons. You were they were offered or my grandmother or? had a piano. So oh, okay. She we were allowed to take lessons and you said no. Nope. Did you take to. any? Did you have one? I took um ice skating. <laughs> really? Were you given that 
option or did you just uh, say they said what lessons do you want to take okay. and I, I was like ice skate i don't I don't know why i picked it <laughs> i didn't even really care in the desert <laughs> that's awesome where was the ice rink in the middle of town by the strip okay <laughs> did you get to do it you got yeah and then you know i don't know I, either we didn't have enough money after a while or i just got i was kind of like i don't know why i picked this yeah that's all do you think you were just being difficult maybe that's pretty awesome like you want me to take ballet and piano so i'm gonna do yeah, this i'll do Although my dad didn't really want us to be musicians, so that was, he How didn't come? discourage it, but he didn't, he knew that touring was kind of, you know, just, you have to be, you have to like it. Yeah. And he wasn't, a hard... after a while he didn't like it. Okay. So he didn't want us to have to worry about that. Yeah. And maybe the drug scene and too. Yeah. Yeah. Hoping Especially you would that avoid era. that. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Oh, his, his, uh, his psych band was really into psychedelics. I forgot to mention that. Oh, really? Yeah. Lodestone? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not surprised. Right? Yeah. Did they... Uh... <clears throat> You're reminding me that he they played <laughs> they played on the Flip Wilson show. Oh, man, that's awesome. And they and they backed Andy Williams. He Andy Williams discovered them at the Pussy Getty Go-Go. I'm sorry I'm jumping around so no, much. No, I love it. Um, I love the image of Andy, Willi- <laughs> Andy Williams at and, the... and then the psychedelic... <laughs> rock band so there's this really hilarious video that i have on youtube of my dad um and his band in his band lodestone backing andy williams on the flip wilson pilot holy shit and they're doing they're doing um first show i can't remember the name of the song it's really easy to remember it's that's uh stop hey what's that sound everybody oh okay um no 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 not that one not that one um come on people now Oh, okay. Just smile on your brother. Whatever yeah. that is. Probably come on people now or like get it get together. It's get together. That's the name That's of the song. That's what it's called? Okay. Yeah. So they're backing him on that. Okay. <laughs> Again, trying to in, increase the diversity of or whatever it was like during integration and all that. So they're trying to um have more uh racial crossover and right. so Flip Wilson is I think the first black comedian and then Andy Williams comes on to do this like white guy thing and right. let's get together. Let's <laughs> come on people now. Yeah. yeah. That's amazing. Look at the audience. Some of the black people are like, what? Yeah. Why? This is like pre ebony and ivory. Yeah. This is, this exactly. is the original. That's and amazing. again, one of the whitest things you've ever seen. Yeah. But Andy Williams was really nice. He and... was, he's a nice guy. He's just not the best ambassador for, you know, for racial for, harmony. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> You're just like me. Yeah. You See? like this. No, no, yeah. not really. But they, the record that they backed him on went gold or something. So, really? Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So that was kind of the other weird thing that, yeah. That helped of them afford their drugs. <laughs> yeah, that's isn't that usually what that money is set aside yeah. for? My yeah. dad wasn't really that big of a druggie, but no, a little bit. But when you're in there, yeah, it's hard not to. Everybody else take a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're a psychedelic rock band. Are you gonna say no when the acid comes out? <laughs> Why is that man vomiting in the garage? <laughs> right again. Oh, it's called peyote. Really? Do you I remember having yeah, that conversation? Just once. Did you learned about peyote that way yeah. by seeing somebody puke their guts out? Yeah, just wow. like sitting on the floor and barking. Did he sit? Did your dad explain what it was or what it did? Their rehearsal space was in the garage, and mm-hmm. it was nice. Like they had Persian rugs. And oh, cool! Drapes and very yeah. like psychedelic hippie world, and right. and uh, there was always like a haze of pot smoke and dancers from the pussy cat. Really, <laughs> we just would just go around. out there and be like, "Wow, adults are weird." <laughs> and that was like your whole. That was like from what age? 
your whole the yeah. whole time. Yeah. So like four to. Yeah, never teenage. any different. Wow. Um, and did they? Did your dad or mom make any attempt to to hide that stuff, or was it just like this is kind of what life is like? And it was hard to hide it. it. I think my mom. My mom wanted to raise us away from it a little bit because some of it was destructive you yeah. know especially the alcoholism and right. heroin she really tried to i think keep things kind of um presentable yeah but you couldn't avoid it like you'd walk around the neighborhood with your friends and oh let's go in my house go in somebody's house and the dad's passed out drunk on the couch really? so you just like steal money out of his pants really? and go to the store. so it was basically all your friends had the similar yeah situation yeah parents were doing some sort of unorthodox generally and, and, and maybe shady un- underhanded yep. Yep. stuff we had some we had some normal people later yeah Our, we we eventually moved uh to a neighborhood far away from the strip and there was uh the air force was nearby and then we started getting air force families mm. and then it kind of got a little less strange just because they were diff- like coming from different places yeah. and bringing a, a whole different yeah worldview or something. and they well it was people from all over the world uh-huh like our next door neighbors were cuban from cuba and he was an air force guy and i guess really talented and cool yeah like they had they had an what it looks like a blue angels kind of thing i think it was called the thunderbirds or something uh-huh what, what are those called those the big pilot the, i don't know yeah it all fleet it all, week yeah that kind of crap stuff. Yeah, it all yeah. turns me off pretty, yeah. pretty heavily. Yeah, I never got into it. So so that was that was kinda a little more normal. Were were people fairly accepting in Vegas of, of outside like of people coming yeah. from all over the place? Was it just kind of like this is what our city is known for and it's, yeah. it's totally fine? Or was we, it ever a, I mean there must have been racism somewhere? There was, ever. especially <clears> before I think the 60s there was uh, segregation my dad remembers like separate entrances for uh-huh. black and white musicians he would always go with the black guys because he didn't feel comfortable being yep you know just elitist or whatever yeah. not to mention it was wrong and so he good he's, for him yeah and a, a, lot, a lot of his friends were black guys from the jazz scene one of his best friends was this guy named james moody who's kind of a famous mm-hmm. tenor sax player yeah i know of him yeah he's a great he's he's like our family family i don't know how to put it our uncle and godfather type yeah person always around that's cool nice man wow yeah that's awesome so he my dad was really sensitive to it and of course my mom was and but yeah the town itself even still i mean i think so there was that era from when the casinos were first coming up but then as it started to grow there was no real way to prevent it wasn't it wasn't bougie. It was there was yeah. one neighborhood where Howard Howard Hughes lived. Uh-huh. That was the only <laughs> yeah. upscaled area. In, in the movie Casino, they have it. Actually, it's this beautiful. It's actually really beautiful. A friend of mine in high school, one of the punk people, punk scene girls, lived there. Her dad owned uh, Schwartz Brothers Big and Tall Clothing. Oh wow, <laughs> did quite well in Vegas. <laughs> yeah. I would imagine. So, That's awesome. So she, they had a house in that neighborhood. So I finally got to see the inside of those houses. They're beautiful. But yeah. um, when we were growing up, that was really the only nice neighborhood. Uh-huh. And the people that lived there were like the mafioso guys. Okay. And then Howard Hughes. And my mom's like, every time we drive by the Howard Hughes window that faced the street, was like the back of his house, she'd say like, he's in there with his urine and fingernails. Holy shit. <laughs> we would be like, 
what does that even mean? She would say that when you were kids. Just every time we drove past, like oh my God. he's in there with his ear <laughs> like, Always the same thing. What? Did you ever ask her to explain? Yeah, it? and she'd be like, "He saves it." And I'm, Why? I don't know. He just does. How do you know? It's everybody knows. And that came out later as a <laughs> yeah. thing, right? He had jars of yeah. fingernails and urine that he'd saved for who knows how long. That is fucked up. <laughs> so that was the nice neighborhood. Thing. It's amazing that <laughs> that it was a known thing. You know, like I know, everybody... like it was it was like local legend. Yeah, I'm He's sure. Well, I'm sure most of the weirdest shit goes on in the nice neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. You know? Right. Like the like the really outlandish stuff <laughs> totally. happens with people who already have access to everything and they've already They're seen. Bored. Yeah. Like what well, else can you? What yeah. Know? What would it be like to have a slave in the you know in the modern age? <laughs> you know, that's the kind of shit that rich people probably <laughs> eventually start thinking about right. like, well we've already done this and we've already yeah so that's a pretty disgusting example that no I just but gave. you know but it, like let me hire some go bikers to do my um well, you yeah. know my main my house maintenance right <laughs> some hell's angels that's awesome like that. is that what is that i don't know i'm just like there was a, there was there only must one have been a hell's angels contingent oh there. yeah i mean yeah. all the all the hunter s thompson yeah stories about that what, sorry, were you about to say something? I don't know. About there was there was one house in the neighborhood you. with this guy that was always adding on. He was a brain surgeon, uh-huh. but I think he had a big coke problem, so he hired his drug suppliers <laughs> to, to do work, the work on his house. Great idea! <laughs> and they were Hell's Angels. <laughs> That's awesome. Building shit. And they're all wearing their leather vests and stuff and bandanas, <laughs> hammering on the We'd roof. We'd ride your bike by and be like, "What the hell? What the hell? Those guys? Those are only rich guy. That's amazing. <laughs> That's such a great." A weird, so, you know, side world. That Hunter S. Thompson book was pretty close uh, to accurate. Was it? Oh yeah. I wondered. I mean, I was laughing. That's one of the few books that made me laugh out loud consistently yeah. throughout, and yeah. it and it seemed like it was real stuff he was recounting, and that's why mm-hmm. it, I was cracking up. I was like, if that actually happened, that's so that's so insane. Yeah. No, it wasn't. It wasn't far fetched, which yeah. is why he's so funny. Is he's usually he's just telling the truth, tapping the actual day to day. Yeah, he did truly <laughs> insane stuff on a regular basis. So that race that he was writing about, yeah, the Mint Four Hundred. We used to go to that. Yeah, that was <clears throat> that's like it makes Burning Man seem like you know child's play or you're going to like a plantation where you're going to be right like get your yeah. meals catered to yeah. you and stuff it's mm-hmm. just a really rough or a spa right <laughs> but uh, i mean the whole town just gets taken over during that event right yeah pe- i don't think they do it the same way now i know they still have the off-road part of it but right <clears throat> it used to take over and used to go right like start right in, yeah. on the strip well and then head out into the desert yeah and there was there now it's all built up but there wasn't really anything out there and it wasn't that far away and so we would just camp out there. Really? And, oh, you go for the whole like for a weekend? And... Well, because it was it was a endurance race for the people with their weird vehicles. Right. It's like five hundred miles or yeah. something, right? It's called the Mint. Mint four hundred. Yeah. It's four hundred. Okay. But it's like that Baja race. Okay. Only they they um of course they're all leaving at different times because it's pretty you it was it a pretty waves, narrow road. Right. And um so you just go out to watch just one them wave like leave one... and come back. Okay. So camping out and watch, you know, see who wins and that's so cool. Yeah, but but it must have been insane <laughs> spending the night with a bunch of everybody's lunatic, just like, like, oh yeah, it was like mayhem, <laughs> and so and and in some ways fun, but in, in other ways really just stupid, you know, yeah. just people being stupid. Yeah. So 
if you would go out, you go out there and you kind of take your life in your own hands. Totally. Because <laughs> everybody's bringing their dirt bike and their right. Bring know, bring your bring your booze, shotgun. your guns, your <laughs> motor vehicles, and your kids. Yes, exactly. And we'll, and we'll meet out in the just, desert. Who cares? Whatever. Go fast. <laughs> that's so crazy. Yeah. So, so you went a bunch of times as kids? As or? kids, yeah. That's so great. Yeah. And your parents were both? My go, parents didn't go. My, my dad's sister, my aunt um, married. Um, <laughs> I was going to say it. She married one of the biggest meth dealers in town. Oh, man. <laughs> so he was taking us. And really? my, my parents didn't know. Meth was kind of new. Yeah. You remember, I think in like Hunter S. Thompson maybe writes about meth. I think he does, yeah, because yeah. he's, he's calling it by the full name. You know. Yeah, methamphetamine or whatever, yeah. and then there's the chemical synthesis part of it. Yeah. But he was one of the first people out there doing it, so he was probably going out to supply, right? Yeah. And taking my brother and I. And oh, my God. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. He probably had a trunk load of it, like every time he went. happen now is this this was a grant that the city had from the national educators association which is a, a um it's the big kind of mama union of all the teachers okay and so um i was lucky enough to get the grant and then it it was the intention was that uh in some of the major cities like San Francisco, New York, Chicago, LA, maybe one more that I can't remember, we were going to do this, but um, everybody had to write the curriculum because it didn't exist. Okay. And so the idea was to help our native students um, get not only be like more of a vocational kind of approach to education uh-huh. through the union, but um, to try to uh, encourage diversity especially here um and i think one of the reasons why i was hired was because that was the thing when they asked me why i wanted the job i was like well i would actually like to see our kids who grew up here uh stay here yeah <laughs> not have to get shoved out by yeah you know or not some stanford grad who's, servants yeah. for the for the whiteies yeah so um so i am feeling really positive this year my enrollment went almost to 50% female, which is really cool. That's awesome. That's and that's great. kind of one of the, one of the targets of the project. And then that's huge for like at this stage yeah. to already have like 50%. Hopefully, um, it's not quite 50, but it's close. It's a lot closer than it was. And well, then what is it in the real world? One, per, I mean, yeah, it's, it's like, tiny. it's such a tiny little yeah. fraction. So if there are that many young yeah. girls who yeah. want to do it and yeah. stick with it and, it's great and the classroom is great because nice. they're not intimidated which is exactly what i wanted to. yeah well you're a good uh, role model for that thanks you get to be 
you know, get to show them. You can you can blaze your trail and be strong <laughs> and, you know, fight against adversity and, and all the odds. And Every once in a while, some male students will wander in and they'll be like, like looking at me like, who are you? Really? <laughs> I don't really, I don't look like a Yeah, you're not a typical... And, Typical teacher, programmer and, type, yeah, or, nor nor computer science, and they'll be like, mm-hmm. yeah. So, but then they then as soon as we start rolling um, and learning, they're like, ah, oh, this is great. So, and th- I don't have any bias against who learns. I just want it to be open to everybody. So, well, that's the best way you could possibly teach something. Yeah, to say like, here's the information. Yeah, anyone who's interested yeah. can have it. Yeah, you don't have to be good at it. I don't care. That's cool. Yeah. You wow. don't even have to be good at math. Like, I'll teach you. Wow. I so. want to take your class. Not, not, I don't even want to be a programmer, but it sounds like a great... It actually uh, makes math really fun when you apply it. Yeah. Well, I loved taking math, but yeah. I always had asshole math teachers. Yeah. I had jerks. one guy who was like violent and the scary. Jerks. They're horrible. Yeah. Another guy who was totally insane and, and loved like the... He loved to get into it with kids. He loved to... I used to... I was pretty cruel to some, to the teachers who weren't Deserved nice it. to me. I you know if they I would wait and let give them a <laughs> chance, but usually only one chance, you know. Yeah. And if one if one of them if somebody like singled me out or did something that made me feel shitty, I mm-hmm. would that was it. I would just have it out for them the rest of the year. Yeah. Well, I don't blame I, you. I punished a couple of teachers. It's the wrong career to bring your sadism to. Yeah, I agree. And, and it, whenever and, I see people doing it, I'm like, I call them on it. Like, good why are you I'm, doing this i'm glad you do because yeah. i it was there were a lot of teachers who were complicit like yeah. a lot of them knew that others were like that I, yeah. I even remember going to to other teachers and saying like what is going on with mr what's this fit you know mr. Like Power Trip. <laughs> yeah well it's i mean we had a couple of teachers who were scary like they were they were mm-hmm. scary to the kids mm-hmm. they were physically you know they mm-hmm. grab them throw them against the yeah. wall or something you know right. you don't do that to a 14 year old so but Mm-mm. It was known that it happened, mm-hmm. and I w- there were teachers who watched kids have fights and didn't break them up. In you know, in my in my junior high school, right? I remember watching my yeah. teacher look. He Just leaned back there. in his chair to see these five kids beating up on one kid out in the hallway, and then he leaned forward back, you know, and pretended like he didn't see it. And I was like, all right, well, that's what that's who these are the adults that are supposed to be protecting and. Yep. You know, modeling. Unbelievable, the, right? Yeah. So I was like, well, I'm on my own in this fucking mm. jungle. And, and that's how it felt anyway. Mm-hmm. But then yeah. you, but when you had a, a teacher like you or like, you know, there was always one or a few, you know, a beacon who kids would gravitate toward because they needed somebody, like somebody who had made it through right. that yeah. period of life. Yeah came out the other side and somehow right. was well adjusted enough to to still exist in society <laughs> and even re-enter that world willingly you know to go that back maybe to... in part why i did it i think really because, well i didn't have an easy time in high school being punk rock in a right in a, in, in a... In, there's a lot of rednecks and mm-hmm. i don't know what do you call it hillbilly types yeah we it was also very diverse though i mean more than half of my school is black so i don't want to make it sound i was most of my friends were the african american kids but 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 las vegas our, as a place is a, yeah. comes out of a tradition of the old west and oh, that, yeah. that sort of it's a cowboy tent yeah you, know? you have a lot of cowboys there yeah and with that mentality like what's wrong with you faggot right you know? yeah oh isn't that lovely <sighs> and that but that goes everywhere i mean i grew up mm-hmm. in a totally i grew up in ann arbor which is about as liberal as you can get and yeah. but it still had all the redneck yeah. you know stuff and had all kinds of racism and all, you know usa it, yeah a lot of that even mm-hmm. though it was as integrated as yeah you could get at right. that time yeah 
Uh, yeah. School will definitely fuck you up. <laughs> <laughs> there's, one, there's one certainty that we can... High school especially. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I mean, you see stuff that you're not ready for at that age. Yeah, that's... and that's, I think, one of the reasons why I got involved in the union is because I'd observed some people just like in this profession, just like just using it to lord it over people with less power. How fucked up is that? It's not okay. That's there's really... nothing about it that's it's yeah. acceptable. That's who get. That's like who goes into those positions. It's so it's like weird, power hungry. Yeah. Like they got shit on one too many times, and I'm like, gonna get you I'm back. gonna get this job where you get to go, you know, like, step all over people and yeah, and, and never have to explain yourself. Or, right. Yeah, I'll hear it because I'm in the math office, and I'll hear it sometimes, and I'll just be like, "What did you just say?" Excuse really? Me? Yeah. And, call them and, and of course, there's like three women and fifteen dudes, and they're looking at me like, "Who are you?" And I'm like, "Right, you have a colleague." Yeah, with with a voice and an opinion. And, yeah, and, and they, some, they hear me. Standing. They hear me. They know yeah. I'm I'm also like you know, um, a parent. Yeah. And so you know. As a parent, we have more power. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> so that helps. Do they also know that you were a punk drummer? <laughs> Sometimes they find out and Do they're like, just, they don't know what to make of me. They're like, what are you? Have you ever just like smashed a bottle over somebody's head in the, in the teacher's lounge? <laughs> hmm. Just to just to show them. Almost, like, uh, almost at a staff dinner last. No, um, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> Close call. Come, come to blows. Let's just say I think it. I'll do yeah. It. Just think it. Yeah, well, we're all allowed our dark fantasies, I think, <laughs> here and there. You can think whatever you want. Yeah, that's the that's one Don't of the beauties it. of yeah. Please, <laughs> please set up some filters before you before you think too hard. But it is isn't that crazy that we have these like closed systems if we choose? Like we can ha- we have this whole world that exists in our brain. Oh yeah. You know our our the brain and the consciousness that translates whatever we see around us we carry around and we can just do whatever we want with it really. Yeah. It's, it is probably one of the most incredible things about having a body or a meat puppet or whatever. Is uh-huh. that you're steering it with this consciousness. Yeah. And you can kind of make it, you get to shape it whatever you want. on the fly. Yeah. It's so bizarre. It is. And, and I think that's, I think that's the, the one thing that makes us different as animals is that, that imaginative ability, you know, mm-hmm. like most, most animals seem like that's not something like they play, they may want to get high. They have the similar they have social behaviors. They have almost all the other characteristics they share. But, but they don't but seem that. to bring, like, they don't seem to need to create, I don't know, maybe they do, but no, I like think you're right. gods and... <clears throat> I think it's, I think you're right. It is a, and I think that is where it comes from. It's like a god, yeah. it's a god hand, you know, created us and now we create yeah. our whatever it is. Yeah. But... And and people would argue, well, there are birds who make these really elaborate, beautiful right. nests, but that's all yeah. mating ritual yeah. stuff. That's yeah. all instinctual. It may have a creative appearance to someone who's a human who's projecting from the outside, but yeah. they're not thinking of it like, you right. know, I have to really, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what a bird is thinking, but. Um, it doesn't seem like they don't seem to want to like build um places to go and worship and congregations and stuff like they you you do see them hanging out in trees chirping their heads off but they don't i don't see them like all worshiping no and they also don't ride dune buggies and motorcycles (laughs) through the desert and And think about breaking beer bottles in the office yeah (laughs) that's the one thing that seems i think that's the weirdest thing too about being human is that we do that and 
We're so good at it. We come up with just, so much stuff. Yeah, just creating these fantastical stories, and then we kind of have to play them out. Yeah. It seems like. Yeah. At, at least as a society, like we right. keep we we put an idea out into the ether, and then and somebody is like, it. "Well, I'll do that. <laughs> I'll do it. I'll do it on camera right now." Right. You know? And that's the society we're in right now, where yeah. everybody's like, "Well, if if that's gonna make me famous, I'll do it. Right? I might die, and I might yeah. die doing something really stupid and humiliating, but yeah. but I'll be known. I'll say the Earth is flat. Sure, yeah, no problem. Exactly. So give <laughs> me some famous on YouTube. <laughs> that's kind of amazing too. Yeah, you, like you're willing to get it any way you can. The power of the imagination. Mm. <laughs> wow. All right. Well, how does that feel for a place to uh, sure. to wrap? Yeah. Cool. Well, thanks so much for coming and sure. t- yarning with me, telling all these, yeah. telling the stories. <laughs> and then, and then, and in '78, when in I was, 1972. Well, I'm sure you got. A, I'm sure you have many, many more uh, to go. Growing up, where you did, when you did, with who you did. Yeah, I could digress infinitely. Well, but I won't. All right. Well, maybe <laughs> off off mic. We'll do. We'll, follow the path all right thank you all right thank you bye Bye. all right thanks for listening everybody that was my friend michelle Talking about her fairly insane family history, uh, I think, by most people's standards. Um, very interesting, for sure. And like I said, there's a lot more that we didn't get to hear. Um, some of which will be in a future Outspoken Outtakes episode. Um, and if you want to find me over on Instagram, you can. I'm at Outspoken underscore podcast because that's what it is and that's what it's called and that's where you can find it and there there will be posts about um you know the next episode or the last episode or a random episode or uh you know might start showing images of artwork of some of the guests that i have or photos that have relevance or videos even maybe or audios or who knows eos um anyway i really appreciate you listening and please tell everyone you know love you bye